الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يوم يفر المرء من أخيه وأمه وأبيه وصاحبته وبنيه وقال أيضا يوم لا ينفع مال ولا بنون إلا من أتى الله بقلب سليم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد if the voice isn't getting to the back then you can try to squeeze forward I'm not sure if you can hear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised in his glorious book that there will come a day where we will be held accountable for our deeds and that day will be such that very few things will be of benefit for us. In fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ That on that day, all that effort and time that we had put in in this world, interacting with our families, interacting with our siblings, etc., even that which is heavily rewarded, even that which is heavily recommended by the Prophet wasallam, our parents won't even recognize us on that day. Our brothers won't recognize us on that day. Our siblings won't recognize us on that day. And it isn't that they won't identify us. It's that there will be so much worry and so much panic. Everyone will be so worried and afraid to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they'll forget even who their closest relatives are. Even who their closest relatives are. وَصَاحِبَتِهِ And his friend. The people that we grew up with. The people that we spent time with. The people that we interacted with so closely, the people that we were so dependent on, the people that we were willing to sacrifice everything for, our closest friends, our closest interactions, on that day, they won't even recognize us. Let alone help us, they won't even recognize us. You might ask for help and they'll ask, who are you? Who are you? Why are you looking at me? Leave me alone. I'm worried that I have to meet my Lord. I'm worried that I have to answer to my Creator. On that day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَال That on that day, wealth will be of no benefit. Wealth will be of no benefit. That one thing that we spent our entire life working toward. Think about it. From the moment we, are, from the moment we turn two or three years old, our parents are already planning for us, or we're planning for our children if we are parents. We're already planning which preschool that we're going to send our child to. And then which kindergarten or which Montessori we're going to send our child to. And then which elementary school and which middle, which middle school. And we want to give our child the best opportunity possible because we know that if their education gets started on the right foot, then perhaps they'll be able to work toward a higher level of education and ultimately a successful career. With what purpose? To make money. To make money. So our entire life is then dedicated for that purpose pre-K, elementary school, middle school, high school, eventually college, eventually graduate school, eventually an internship, eventually training, eventually your job, and then when you finally get to your place of work, 
after 20 years, 25 years of education, then you have to spend the next 30 years, 40 years earning, 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 earning wealth. And then by the time you consider retiring, 65, 70 years old, your entire life has passed away, that'll finally be the time where you'll stop working toward that goal of making money. And Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ That on that day, when you will be asked about your deeds, when you will be brought before your Lord, when you will have to answer for every moment of your life, wealth, that one thing that you spent all of your efforts toward, not only did you spend all of your efforts, your entire community, much of civilization, put all of its effort toward, it won't even be of benefit. It won't even be of benefit. All that time, all that effort, and it won't even be of benefit. وَلَا بَنُونَ إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ So if all of these things aren't going to be beneficial for us, our wealth, our property, our family, and for the most part, even our closest relatives and interactions, they aren't even going to recognize us on that day. <coughs> then what will be of use for us on that day? What will be that one thing that will provide us with benefit on that day? Allah Ta'ala says, إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ None of those things will be of benefit except for one who brings to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala a sound heart. Except that person that brings to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala a sound heart. Now the heart, not the physical heart, but the spiritual heart is a part of our body. The Prophet ﷺ said about the heart, that each time an individual commits a sin, then a black dot or a black stain enters upon the heart. And as they continue to sin, and then drown in that sin, and perpetuate that sin, that heart just be, continues to receive those black dots. This complete stamp and then stamp and then stamp and eventually there comes a point when a person engages in so much sin, so much transgression, so much heedlessness that their entire heart just becomes black altogether. That's the heart. The heart is responsible for our actions. If the heart is diseased, then the a'mal are going to be appearing to be diseased as well. A person, one of the most common questions that I've been asked since I've been here is how do I increase my concentration in salah or better yet how do i increase my desire to do to do to practice deen my a'mal simple answer is that the heart is what's directing all of this everything else is a symptom the disease lies in the heart we're used to focusing on symptoms so if for instance if the symptom is lack of concentration in salah then we'll try to turn off the light close our eyes and then imagine maybe maybe at that point i'll be able to concentrate on allah so a person tries it, they'll turn the light off, they'll close their eyes, they'll try to you know, remove all the sound. And then as soon as they start praying, they put their hands together, they tie their hands together. And all they're thinking about is what happened in the game last night. All they're thinking about is that test that they have coming up the next day. All they're thinking about is who possibly messaged them or tweeted them. That's what they're thinking about. People think, or we think, that by treating the symptom that we're treating the disease, a common symptom that we have, is our lack of relationship with the Qur'an. So a person asks that I just don't have any desire to read the Qur'an, or I keep missing on the days, I know I should read the Qur'an every day, what do I do? So a person then focuses on the symptom. So what they'll do is they'll place a Qur'an and say, you know what, the problem is I don't have access to the Qur'an. 
So I'm going to put a Quran on this bookshelf. I'm going to put it on that bookshelf. I'm going to leave one in the kitchen. I'm going to put one next to my bed. I'm going to leave one in my car. That way, maybe if I see the Quran, then maybe I'll finally make a decision to recite the Quran and I'll do it at some consistent, regular basis. So a person takes those steps and puts Quran all over his home and what happens? No benefit. The same Quran that they weren't reading before, now they have 10 of them in their home and they're still not interacting with the Quran. A person has difficulty waking up for the Fajr prayer. This is a symptom. This is not a disease itself. We're gonna, we target the symptom. We say, I can't wake up for Fajr prayer. I wonder what the problem must be. It must be that the, my alarm isn't loud enough. Although it's loud, it's set at the highest setting. It's very loud. So a person says, my alarm is not loud enough. So what am I going to do? I'm going to place one alarm in the hallway. I'm going to place one in, I'm going to put one inside my, the duct of my uh, the air conditioner so that, you know, I won't wake up and be able to find it. I'm going to place one in the other room. And then I'm going to put one on my wife's phone or my mom's phone and whatever it takes. And each one of these is going to play the adhan from all across the world. One from Turkey, one from Egypt. One's going to place the adhan of Mecca to wake me up for Fajr prayer. What happens? There's six different adhans going on in the house and the person is sleeping through their fajr prayer. It's because they tried to target the symptom, they forgot to target the disease itself. The disease lies in the heart. The diseased heart will have difficulty in getting close to Allah and progressing toward Allah. A diseased heart will have difficulty remaining consistent in a'mal, consistent in deeds. But a person that focuses on their heart and recognizes that at the core of the human being and at the core of the soul is the heart, and by fixing the heart, or by cleaning the heart, and cleansing and purifying the heart, that everything else will fall into place, that person will be successful. That person will be successful in this life, because they will be able to live a life in accordance to the sunnah, in accordance to how Allah Ta'ala wants us to live our lives. And on the day of judgment, when nothing will be a benefit except the diseased heart, except the, the purified heart, then that will certainly be a benefit on that day. The Prophet ﷺ says, that an individual that has an, even an atom's weight of arrogance in their heart, in hadith, an atom's weight of arrogance in their heart will not be able to enter into Jannah. Why? Because Jannah is pure. Jannah is pure and impure things cannot enter into Jannah. A diseased heart that has impurities, arrogance, pride, ostentation, riya, greed, anger, the love of this world, a diseased heart that has all of these things before it enters into Jannah, and it has to be purified. You can purify it in this world, or you can choose to have it purified in the hereafter, and for a period of time have, it, have those burned off in the fire of hell. That's not something that any of us would want. Allah Ta'ala is giving us the opportunity to purify our heart of these diseases now, today. This is our opportunity. And if we desire that we be consistent in our deen, consistent in our worship, consistent in our a'mal, and we have to target our hearts. We have to focus on the heart, look at deep inside and see what's there, focus on it, rectify it, and everything else then falls in place. Everything else then falls in place. So then the next question a person might ask is, how do I clean my heart? What is it that allows, that can make my heart pure? What is it that can allow my focus to be on my heart and subsequently the effects of that to be seen in everything that we do? And the effects of a purified heart aren't just that a person is able to be consistent and achieve depth in their deen. It's not just that they'll achieve depth in their worship and they'll become closer to Allah. That, that effect will translate throughout that person's life. People will be able to sense it. Your friends will be able to look at you and say, man, there's something special about this person. Your parents will see you and say, there's something about him. That'll extend into our service of our community. 
a person who really rectifies their heart and purifies it, then they're looking for opportunity to serve those around them. They're looking for opportunities to give their wealth away in the path of Allah. They're looking for opportunities to sacrifice their own time, their own blood, their own sweat for the sake of other people. They become selfless. They become selfless. So that translates not only, a purified heart translates not only into a stronger connection with Allah, deeper worship. Uh, not only does it that not only does it increase your relationship with the Quran, not only does it does it excite you to come to the masjid, but you become a selfless individual who wants to serve other people by day and by night. By day and by night. A person that desires to purify their heart has to do two main things. A person that desires to rectify themselves, rectify their souls, has to do two main things. The first thing is they have to do istighfar. They have to do istighfar. They have to seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every single day. It comes in hadith of Prophet wasallam himself, who was ma'soom, he never committed a sin in his life. He said that I repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at least, or I do istighfar, seek forgiveness of Allah ta'ala every day at least 70 times. And in another hadith, the Prophet wasallam says, I do istighfar a hundred times every single day. The Prophet ﷺ, our guide, our master, who didn't even commit a sin in his life. These hadith are in Bukhari and Muslim. Who never even committed a sin in his life is doing istighfar to show us that this is essential for us. Essential for us. What happens when a person does istighfar is they're able to wipe away those black dots that have accumulated in their heart. The Prophet ﷺ said that eventually those dots just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and that heart becomes so drowned in sin that it just appears black altogether. But a person that does istighfar, it's like the, uh, the dawn or like the, you know, the, the, the soap that you use to wash a dirty dish. It's like that. It scrubs away the filth, scrubs away the filth, scrubs away the filth, removes the effect of sins, removes the diseases that have been plagued and have been, have been harboring in the heart for so long. Istighfar allows that to, allow, makes that possible. But it has to be done regularly. It can't be done once in a while. It can't be done when we're reminded of it by the speaker, when we're reminded of it by the imam. Every day, every morning, every evening, our deeds are sent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The angels take them up. So every morning and every evening we should spend time doing istighfar. And the istighfar that we do shouldn't be astaghfirullah, 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 and then we're done. It should be that we're thinking about our day and through each action that we had done, every sin that we had committed, astaghfirullah, I did this, I looked at this, astaghfirullah, I shouldn't have touched this, I touched that, astaghfirullah, I was interacting or I wasted my time on the internet doing this, astaghfirullah. You know, and if, if, if we can't think of anything wrong that we did, then at least we should seek istighfar for those times where we were heedless and didn't remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So istighfar is the, uh, is like the, is like the deter- detergent that, walk, that washes away the filth off the heart. And it helps rectify it of its impurities. Once the, and in addition to istighfar, the second thing that a person should do regularly and excessively is do dhikr of Allah. Remember Allah Ta'ala abundantly. Whether that dhikr be through the tongue, whether that be a dhikr of the heart, in particular a dhikr of the heart. If a person spends time doing this, you can think of this as, the, um, as almost the polish of the heart. Right? So you remove the filth and the effect of sin with istighfar, and then you polish and you shine that heart so that it looks beautiful, so that it emanates a particular fragrance. This occurs through the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The, Allah ta'ala says in the Qur'an so clearly, so clearly, 
That the heart finds contentment, finds ease, finds comfort, it finds peace through the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person who does dhikr abundantly, does the dhikr of Allah abundantly, they're just shining and waxing their heart. Just like you'd wax your car and make it look presentable if you were if you had like an important meeting to go to, or if you had, you know, uh, if you had to show it to someone, for instance, or you had to sell it or you had to present it. Similarly, a person that does a lot of the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their heart will then shine on the Day of Judgment, will be able to present that sound heart that will be of tremendous benefit to us. It will be of tremendous benefit to us. So the heart is where everything lies. It's where our weaknesses lie. It's where our diseases are rooted. Where our difficulties and problems in life all come from the heart. If we rectify our heart, then our relationships will get better. If we rectify and purify our hearts, then our mood and our uh, our mood will become better. Our happiness will grow. Our concentration in our worship and our consistency in our ibadah will become possible. We will become people of selflessness. We will we will become people who perhaps have at least some of the qualities that the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum had. This is our focus. This is our focus. If we don't do it now, then we could do it in the hereafter. But if we choose to do it in the hereafter, it'll be far more difficult. Now we can burn away the impurities of the heart with istighfar. In the hereafter, the impurities of the heart will have to be burned away with the fire of hell. The decision is ours. Allah Ta'ala has given us this opportunity now. It'd be far easier for us to sort this out while we're still alive, while Allah Ta'ala has still given us that opportunity, rather than try to sort it out in the hereafter. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant you and I the tawfiq to purify our hearts and make them vessels of beauty. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala make us regular in our istighfar and may Allah Ta'ala make us from amongst those who remember Him excessively, abundantly. And may Allah Ta'ala allow the effect of this to translate into all walks of our life. Wa akhira da'wana. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.